Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, we're two and oh. Um, how's the season shaping up for you? <laughs> you just sound so sort of surprised and kind of very apprehensive, slightly pessimistic about the future, but also somewhat hopeful. I'm basically analysing all of the different uh, emotions that are going through your head right now. Well, to be honest, I mean, look, we're beating teams with a fair few injuries, but I didn't expect us to be 2-0 and at this stage, uh, even though it's not the hardest draw in the world. I just was very underwhelmed going into it, but it's not looking too bad. I mean, look, 2-0 and is not like 6-0, and let's be honest here. So, like, it's still believable that we would be 2-0. and Yeah, but <laughs> next week we have GWS, we're right. huge favourites. And who do we have the week after again? I think we've got Geelong without Patrick Dangerfield. Right. Okay. And then I think we've got another easy-ish game coming up after that, I feel. Maybe we should have a look at the draw <laughs> in advance of our podcast episodes. Yeah, but we could be, I think we looked at this, we could be four and one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, going into maybe the Richmond game. We've got a very favorable draw. There's no doubt about that. But let's start with Saturday's game. Hmm. What were your reactions from the game? Um, I think... The start was pretty beautiful. I thought the tribute to Danny Frawley was really lovely. Um, Gary Lyon was impeccable. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah. Apparently that was quite a sort of sporadic, um, unplanned speech. I don't even know if he'd really planned it at all. Um, right. But it was quite beautiful, wasn't it? And it was unbelievably moving. And, and you saw those images of his family and oh, it's just so tragic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and maybe that threw off St Kilda a little bit, right? Maybe all the emotion kind of drained them. You never know. Um, but it was really beautifully put together, I thought. And I was kind of surprised it was only for that game instead of the whole, for the whole round. Yeah, I think so. I mean, th- yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. I don't know why they didn't make it sort of spuds round. That has a good ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but no, it was a beautiful tribute. Gary has the gift of the gab. What did you think of the game itself? I mean, look, it wasn't the greatest game in history, but I was very impressed with our ability to fight back, right? Because that game looked like a repeat of a couple of years ago, you know, um, or really most years against St Kilda, where we start okay and then they just overrun us with their run. And it seemed like we were pretty much done and we just kept fighting back. And I think a lot of that comes down to the solidity we now have in defence. I think so. I mean, you have to say the St Kilda small forwards were completely absent from the entire game. You know, Dan Butler had such a stellar year last year. He couldn't get near it on the weekend. And so mm. I think Lever and May and Tomlinson, I have to say Tomlinson is, is doing well now that he's being, um, you know, sent back to defense. He's actually playing really well and he really does offer greater sort of reinforcement in the back line and allows Lever to play that intercepting role. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd say outside of of May, he might be our best one-on-one defender, right? Because he's a big Actually, dude. Maybe, maybe Hibbert as well. But but he's clearly better than Lever in a one-on-one contest, right? right. You can see that Lever, Lever loses those contacts pretty often. But if Tomlinson can take that second forward and allow Lever to kind of float around and, and be the quarterback. And be unaccountable. <laughs> yeah, well, to be a bit of a quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, then that's a pretty good... S- situation yeah and yeah. I, I just was really I'm really impressed with how the back line is gelling together yeah. it just looks really really solid and, and when Hibbert comes in it's, it's going to be a force I think because Hibbert will give some real drive off half back and mm. and that's what's really exciting me about Melbourne at the moment you know for a long time we invested so heavily into the back line because it was so shaky you know we had your man Sam Frost in there trying to hold it up um and he so took I us think to a preliminary final <laughs> you know, yeah. and Oscar McDonald and anyway and now we've obviously sort of 
traded up insofar as we have May and Lever and um, and Tomlinson. But so look, we've in, we've invested heavily, but you can see how successful that backline really could be. Hmm. It really looks like an extraordinary background backline. Um, let's talk about the forward line though, hmm. and let's talk about one man who has been on everybody's. Uh, you know, he's been on everybody's football shows this week, Cosy Pickett. Yeah, and he's the uh, Neil Danaher for this week, the, the positive. Um, and we are going to keep these segments. Um, <laughs> um, wow, what a performance, eh? I mean, he had, he had a couple of good games last year. I think the Adelaide game in particular was really good, but this is a real coming out party, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he could have kicked more goals, to be yeah. honest. He missed a couple and he, he missed, missed some really easy ones. Yeah, he missed the easy ones and he kicked the hard ones. Yeah, yeah. he's just so exciting, isn't he? Mm. Like, he's just unbelievably, you know, you just get so excited to watch him, him yeah. when he, anyway, whenever he's anywhere near the ball. It just looks like something extraordinary is going to happen. He's so fast. He's so clever. Yeah. He attacks the pack with such ferocity. And what I love about him, he's a hard nut. He's not soft at all. He's brutal, yeah. actually, very much like his uncle. No, totally. I think it's just nice as a Melbourne supporter to have someone who's exciting to watch. I mean, we've had a few players over the years. If you look back to Davey, um, a young Hogan, I think had a bit of that. Um, who else? Liam Jarrah, obviously. But the, but to be honest, if you're a Melbourne supporter, often you watch kind of you know solid, hard working, kind of you know. toiling away in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, just you know, real um, honest performance. Yeah, you like Jordy McKenzie. I feel like he's the type of player we're very used to watching at the Melbourne Football yeah, Club. Yeah, but even better players than him. Just real good, solid citizens. Whereas Cosy can just do insane things. He's electric. He's isn't got he? a bit of. We were debating. Uh, last week, whether he was more like Cyril or Betts. Yeah, it's a very maybe, maybe a bit premature. But, uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit. What is your take on the um, on the sort of criticism that we shouldn't be comparing Indigenous players to other Indigenous players? As in, there's something sort of very kind of I don't know offensive about the idea of just comparing Indigenous players to other Indigenous players. Look, I think it's a fair criticism in general. But the truth is, I mean, we can see with our own eyes that these a lot of these Indigenous players can do things that other non-indigenous players just can't. Right, and, and that's I mean, not a bad thing. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. They're operating an extraordinary leave of their own. I think it's one of the most beautiful things about Australian football. And obviously your problems come when you just kind of reflexively say they're all, they all play the same when they mm. don't, right? Right, Because like exactly. he is different to other players. Isaac Rankin, he, for example. Right, because he's a brutal tackler. Mm. Um He's a pretty big dude. Right? He's huge. Yeah, yeah. He's very mus- muscular. It, he's, it looks he's, very, he's very aggressive. Yeah, and him. that's what I love about him. He's yeah. bone crunching. You know, yeah. he's he, he kind of really does remind me of his uncle, to be honest. Totally, and and he's and he's very skilled. But I mean, I don't know, maybe he's not quite as skilled as Eddie Betts. Time will tell. But you know, everyone's got different <laughs> strengths. And Look, it's a real, it's a real. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he blight on you. Eddie maybe Betts, he yeah. won't be as skilled as Eddie Betts. Yeah. Look, that's the real question. No, but I, I agree with you. I think that there is something unbelievable about our game that you have so many indigenous players Mm. that are such heroes of the game that are role models to young footballers coming through Mm. of any color of any creed um and it's so exciting it really is and so for me i sit there thinking like i i just love the fact that cozzy you know is is a super proud indigenous footballer making his way in the game and he Mm. will be this sort of hero for all young footballers coming through because because of the things that he can do yeah and once again congratulations to jason taylor right for picking him because the general wisdom was that he should have been closer to pick 20 and melbourne had this really ambitious pick swap to get picks three and eight. Thank you, North. Right, right. To get Jackson and Pickett. Um, and, you know, it's looking fantastic, really. And I'm sure North got some good players as well. But 
Bloody hell. That's one situation. And I remember we said this at the time. We're not just saying this coming to the party. Um, it really felt like a situation where Melbourne was being bold. And mm. we were very happy about that. Right? Yeah. Because Cosy Pickett is not the classic Melbourne choice. No. At pick eight, right? There were safer options. There's like... I picked 12. Oh, was it pick 12? Whatever it was. Yeah, pick 12. You know, there's safer options. There's guys who are getting 30 possessions a week in the sand full or whatever, right? Mm. And we went for someone who was just really exciting. And- well, I think that the moment that we were very convinced had to be was <laughs> there's that, that sort of to hell and back documentary series mm. and watching when they showed Alan Richardson's reaction to Cosy Pickett. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Cosy just like took out some kid, you know, 100 meters off the ball, probably a suspension. Yeah. But it was an extraordinary tackle. And I just remember Alan Richardson being like, that is just awesome. Yeah. Like, that's just awesome. And that was the moment I said, yeah, no, we've got to, we've got to pick this kid. He, He's just, he's so exciting. And I just, and you know, the thing that really impresses me about Cozzy is not just the fact that he's the next Cyril or the next um, Eddie Betts or the fact that we're going to name our child Cozzy is, mm-hmm. we're not actually pregnant. I should make that clear to anyone listening, but for our unborn child, we're planning <laughs> on naming him Kaizea or Cozzy. Um, but, you know, the thing that I find so inspiring about him, to be honest, is, you know, this is a 19-year-old kid who lost his mother earlier this mm. year. I can't even imagine that level of tragedy at such a young age, um, being away from your family and, you mm. know, being thrust into the rigors of a really professional and very stressful environment where the focus is always on you and, you know, and your performance and the coach and the team and everything. And, you know, I just think that the way that he's handled such tragedy in his life really shows unbelievable resilience for such a young kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's truly a remarkable effort, right? And, and you're right. It's something that I think we should really appreciate more given given how young he is um and apparently he just been smashing the f45 workouts i really know what they entail but i kind of want to get but well, you're you're planning on getting well you've gotten into boxing at 6 30 in the morning yeah just because it's early doesn't mean it's uh high intensity yeah <laughs> um but no because he is the person i model my life on in many ways um another player i'm very happy with is clayton oliver yeah who at times we've been a little bit jaded with given that he gets a lot of the ball but sometimes just butchers it. Mm. But he's playing this really aggressive style and I think 37 possessions this week, maybe 35 last week. That's a pretty blistering start. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? And he's, you know, he feels like it feels like he's cleaned up his disposal a lot. Mm. Um, you know, more attacking. More it? attacking and more sort of help, d- damaging and destructive with the ball, mm. um, which has always been one of his big criticisms. Yeah, less um, one-two handballs with Gus. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that last year... Um, really showed that our our midfield can accumulate the ball but not do much with it. But now Mm. they're really starting to distribute it, I think, a lot more cleverly. Do you think that's Uze's influence? Well, perhaps. There was a lot of talk over the preseason about a less selfish midfield. Yeah, exactly. And that was Uze's whole philosophy, I think. But also I think Choco, well, according to Salem, um, Choco has come in and brought a kicking program to the club it mm. kind of sounds a little bit like nab oz kick but um <laughs> and so <laughs> but no i love choco i as you know i feel like choco and i are very sort of similar people so you're giving choco credit for oliver's emergence yeah why not yeah mm. well it's hard to know what it is but he's looking really good um so this week we're not going to have the mark neil award for the <laughs> negative because it was all very positive. It was all, all positive i mean i still think some of our goal kicking really could be improved actually i do have a bit of a mark neil what was that? Bailey Fritzel. Hmm. I, I love him as a player. I do. And he's got so much talent and he's a great mark. But the set shots, something is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, Petrarca had this phase for about a year as well, right? I, I don't think Fritz is a bad kick. 
No, he's a great he's, kick, he's a, actually. He's a beautiful. He's got a beautiful action. Clearly, he's just got something kind of mentally going on. I'm sure he's he'll, a great field kick as well. I'm sure he'll get sorted out because the, some of his he still kicks some really beautiful goals. Yeah, it's just he misses the more easy ones, so he'll get there. I'm loving his marking. I really think he's an excellent player, um, and maybe especially with Ben Brown in, you know, he might end up getting like the third or fourth defender. Mm. And when you've got a player like him as getting your third or fourth defender, you've got a pretty Okay, forward line. Yeah, point, right? if you've got Ben Brown, Sam Wiedemann, and right. Bailey Fritzel. Or Tom McDonald, right? Or Tom McDonald. Tom McDonald has really played well, particularly yeah. late in the game. I think mm. he ensured we won, mm. right? He didn't do it that much before that, but he was the one who stood up when we needed yeah, it. Yeah, de- there's definitely been a bit of a reemergence, hasn't there? Okay, yeah. so let's go to the, the Cam Pedersen Award. Hmm. So for me, it was Tom Sparrow's goal. <laughs> so the Cam Pedersen Award, to be clear for people who don't remember all of these random segments that we compiled together last week and have continued, uh, unexpected brilliance. Mm. Um, and that Sparrow goal with, you know, his poise and Great all that, finish, wasn't it? It is beautiful. Yeah. And he really did have this kind of, I don't know how to put it, this insouciance or something. Like insouciance. <laughs> You're just trying out a new word on this podcast, aren't you? True. Please let us know what you think of it, guys. I, I often do. But he, had, he has a swagger, which is pretty mm. impressive in his, I think his ninth game. Yeah. So, look, he didn't do all that much else, but I think that was, that was kind of exciting. Mine was Jack Viney for his two first quarter goals. Specifically, mm. his goal, that was tackle. That unexpected brilliance? Well, I, I was always tackling. Yeah, but Viney's not necessarily the best finisher, and so mm. I wasn't really expecting a, you know. So, it's really just a shot at Viney. Yeah, yeah but it's not really. But, I no, I was really impressed by two first. Were you expecting two first quarter goals from Jack Viney? Um. No. I there you go. So I thought that that was um, – he did get us off to a pretty good start. So and that he was really my, good. You know, he and, did. And he didn't stay for the whole game. But if he can, you know, put in patches like that, mm. fantastic. Um, Meets the Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance. Who do you think should get it? Well – I know who you we, want to give it to. We have someone on the sheet and you're just refusing to yeah, even say this Yeah, I think you name. should talk about this. You should talk about this. This is Nita's most hated player. No, it's not my most. I don't hate anyone. I'm a lover, not a hater. You know this. Really? I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> Alex Neilborn. He's only been married to me for like two years, but anyway. <laughs> Alex Neilborn. Mm. Very solid, you have to say. Very, very solid. Um, like he, His pressure's always been good, but I don't know. He just He's just covering a lot of territory. And him and Spargo are looking fairly damaging i'd say mm, you really ha- were very tentative with the word damaging just then i'm just yeah trying out those compliments as yeah. well. <laughs> mine goes to max gorn this underrated performance yeah he got a whole plug on access all areas yeah, he got like well, a four minute spread for- i feel like he should be getting more i mean do you know no i tell you what it is it's it's a really interesting point that they made on access all areas and far be it for me to like quote Damien Barrett on the <laughs> on this podcast um, in sort of praiseworthy terms, but you know the thing that I, I, I probably what I appreciate about the vision that they showed on Access All Areas this, this week was, you know, there's a lot of talk about Gorn, you know, sort of sitting back and playing that sort of Gary Dempsey role and sort of marking in defence and offering a another support in defence. But one thing they don't really show and you can't really see on TV, particularly because we're watching everything in Mexico is the fact that Gorn just works so hard to get back. I mean, so often we'll watch a football game, kids, and I'm sure you you can agree with me on this, that you sit there watching a footy game and you're like, what? Every, is everyone just like, are the opposition teams deliberately kicking it to Max mm. Gorn? Like, it happens all the time against Hawthorne. It happens all the time against, you know, it happened against St Kilda. Um, it happens against so many teams where it just feels as if Gorn is just always there. Yeah. And I'm always sitting there thinking like, are they all like just really terrible kicks who are sort of selecting Max Gorn to kick? Do is he too tall? I I often sit there wondering why everyone just kicks it to him. But 
he just works so hard and his work rate is a thing of, of extraordinary. Um, it's really extraordinary. And so, you know, I think that that, sh- that is an underrated aspect of his game. I think we all know how great he is as a, as a ruckman, as a, you know, he's so unbelievably stylish in the way that he flicks the ball to our midfielders, but his unbelievable work rate just to keep going back and covering for his man really shows great leadership. And I think really um, is underrated, Kieran. Hmm. You know what? I think you. I think you're kind of right because I think we sometimes take Max Gorn for granted. Maybe especially um, people watching from overseas who don't get to watch how hard he works during the game. I agree with you because um, you, you don't, don't see the field. You don't fully appreciate that. Yeah. And to be honest, if you're watching on TV, you just kind of think he's stationed at half back. Correct. But he's absolutely barreling around the ground. And you yeah. you feel as if like. Maybe because he's so tall, they just yeah. can't sort of, you know. Get past him, yeah, yeah, maybe it's just his reach because he's just a behemoth. How much taller than me do you think he is? He is 57 centimetres taller than you, which is pretty solid. That is pretty solid. That is almost a mini human. Anyway, moving on past that. But no, but it's extraordinary. And so, and I think that that's something that I was. Um, yeah, I was just, I was flabbergasted by him. Hmm. Anyway, what a star. I have to say, he started his captaincy well this year. Yeah, although I don't know what I think about all this captaincy stuff. I mean, the truth is, if you're winning, everyone says your captaincy is good. True. If you're losing, your captaincy is bad. I know, Trent Cotchin was like the yeah. worst captain in the AFL for a while, and yeah. everyone was like, he needs to be dropped immediately. Well, and then now he's like the greatest captain of all time. All this captaincy stuff. I mean, I think in a game like cricket, where the captain's constantly making decisions, mm. it makes more of an impact. I don't know how much it really makes it for you. You just want your captain to be playing well, right? Mm. And he clearly is. Um, Neats, GWS. Yes. Um, are we just set to be 3-0? No, 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 no. no Monica no. Oval's a bit of a danger. We've ground, been down this path many times. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, GWS, there's a lot of pressure on GWS right now. Yeah. They they looked really bad. I'm not sure if you watched the highlights from last week against Frio, but they look terrible. They mm. really do look like they are... Devoid of spirit, devoid of run, devoid of angst, uh, devoid of, you know, any life really. Um, they don't really want to work particularly hard, it, it looks like. So that's why I think we might lose. No, I'm kidding. Because I, I do think that they they do have a point to prove in terms of, of bouncing back this week. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with Especially you. their midfield. You know, they've got this midfield, which is very talented. And it's just, it's still, I mean, obviously so many players have left the club. There's no doubt about mm. that. But their midfield is still on paper. Canelio, Kelly, uh, Jacob Hopper, Tim mm. Taranto. Like, those are really good. Callum Ward, those are still really good names. Totally. And they've still got Toby Green. And they've and still got Toby Green. I mean, yeah. look, I think their backline is very weak. I think, well, Nick Haynes is very good. But yeah. I think Phil Davis has probably declined a bit. And they don't have a Ruckman, do they? No. Yeah. So, third week in a row that Gorn's going to get up. Yeah, I don't know no if Gorn Ruckman. is like... <laughs> Gorn has had a pretty good Poisoning sort of... Yeah, exactly. It feels like every week it's like Gorn against like a first gamer, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think I think honestly that's the reason for me. I think we'll, we'll win pretty easily because even though I'm usually very skeptical of any D's optimism, I just mm. think that the Ruckman factor is going to be huge. Yeah. I also think their forward line is a bit of a mess and they've mm. got some really bad scoring scoring woes at the moment. I mean, right. I think they only kicked like one goal for the first quarter in, right. you know, last week. And so it wasn't, yeah, they've got some real issues in terms of scoring. And obviously we do as well, but I think that with the strength of our midfield and the confidence that the boys have, we'll probably be able to get it done. So who should come in? Um, Hibbert and Melksham 
you'd think would make Surely. it in if they're if they're fit. Yeah, I mean, I think Jaden Hunt, it's he yeah. should be dropped. Yeah. Um, he still made some mistakes again this week. I he think. did. I mean, he yeah. had a couple of decent moments. He did some nice things. Yeah, yeah, but I think that he should probably be dropped. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Ed Langdon hmm. briefly? Obviously, you're, you're going to drop Ed Langdon. No, I'm not going to drop Ed Langdon. But I did hear something from one of our dear friends of the podcast, Tom Morris, on Fox Footy today. Hmm. This is a random uh, segue. Personal info. No, no, this is not personal info. But did you know that Ed Langdon, Ed Langdon played a hundred percent of game time last week? Hmm. He, and he just, you know, and he kicked this unbelievable goal when everybody was just ignoring him, basically, and just pretending it didn't exist. Are we just continually underestimating the output of Ed Langdon? I mean, no. I think Melbourne fans love him, right? But outside the club, I think he's clearly underestimated. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like anyone's getting but near him. But he's on him. the game 100% of the time. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's not even as if he's there all the time. Like, yeah. you can't, like no well, one's there all the time except him. Well, to be honest, he's our only successful wing, right? Yeah. Because we haven't really worked out the other wing. Like, I don't think Angus Brayshaw's really no. had a great Well, do you think Gus should be dropped, getting back to the actual topic no, at hand, which no. is droppings? I don't think he should be dropped because I think he's been okay. But, you know... Clearly, he's not he's not dominating. He's getting a fair few cheap possessions, in my view. Um, but Langdon's just so consistent on that wing, so it's almost like the coaches don't even have to think about it. Mm. You know, just just let him roam. And look, he butchers the ball every now and then, but he's he's pretty just solid. Isn't you he? love Ed Langdon, don't yeah. you? He's got the real hallmark like makings of a player that you would love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's getting too much recognition. So That's I, the I problem. usually like the players who are more likely to be dropped, but um, yeah, no, he's getting good. He's been okay. really good. Well, let's talk about another player who might be dropped, which is who is James Jordan. I don't think. Well, I don't think he should be. It's, it's more that if Melksham's coming in, who would you drop? I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Neil Bullen had a solid game. Spots. I don't think they should drop. There's Spargo. no way you drop Spargo. No, I think uh, Spargo started the year well. You know, yeah. he's a really good field kick. Melksham might just need to. Even wait a little bit. I mean, I don't think Which Melch- seems crazy. we don't need to make Mel- Melchior wait. I think Melchior- I don't think our team is that good. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, right. kids. But it, it's tricky, right? Because Jones, then, you, then you have to then you have to drop one of these young players or or Jones. But Jones is doing all right as well. Yeah, you know, there's no not not really many obvious people to drop. It's a good position to be in. Um, so, needs your tip? I think the Ds will win pretty easily. To be honest, I think we'll win by thirty points. Yeah. I, Even though it's at Monica, which means that it could be a little bit closer, and and obviously they do have something to play for yeah. because every it's just a backs against the wall type narrative, isn't it? But I just think that we'll beat them up around the ball. Yeah, I'm going to tip forty points actually, only mm. be, only because I feel like maybe the wheels will just fall off the Giants. Yeah, it feels like they're at this breaking point where they're sick of the coach. All these players have already left. Everyone else Other, wants everyone to else leave. Wants maybe. To leave. Well, there's all these rumors about Josh Kelly potentially wanting to leave. Right. Although, yeah. did you read that article that apparently if he stays the Giants, he could sign a seven-year, $7 million contract or something like that? It was eight, year, eight, eight years, $8 million. What? Right. Eight years, $8 million. Ridiculous. Extraordinary. Yeah. What's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, a few years ago, he was considered to be like potentially one of the best players in the competition. Yeah. And now he's kind of just, the idea of Josh Kelly getting $8 million like over eight years seems absurd. Yeah. I still think he's a very good player and I think we can jump off people too quickly, but... um. I mean, a good team, I'm sure he'd be exquisite. Exactly. But anyway, thank you very much to all of you for joining Deluded again. And thanks for all your comments uh, on the Which one was your favorite, Kiz? Um, Which was my favorite? Oh, you had this one which you sort of were talking to me about. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for all your positive comments and also the constructive comments. They were very helpful. Um, We haven't really put them in place this week, but we are reflecting on them for next week. Um, and please join Deluded, the Melbourne Demons fan community. Um, very excited to chat to you next week after hopefully a big win against GWS. Good ease. Good ease.